want to offer sincere thank you to the Minnesota Timberwolves for giving us something to talk about today. And man, it, it is the nature of sports to surprise us. No matter how much we think we know, no matter how predictable sports can seem at any given moment, the Minnesota Timberwolves lost at home to maybe the worst team in the league, a team that isn't even really trying to, to win. It felt like the low point of the season, maybe the low point of a long time for this, this franchise, even this franchise. And then they turn around and beat what might be the best team in the NBA at home with half their roster out. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. I'm going to let John Krasinski explain it. Explain it, please, John. Yeah, I think, you know, we can get into it as the podcast goes just about, um, you know, the weeds of it in terms of Denver on the second night of a back-to-back, um, you know, maybe a little bit more ball movement uh, in, in there with a with a shorthanded lineup needing to play kind of more together than some of the ISO-heavy stuff we had seen with, with Ant and D'Angelo Russell in the backcourt and all of that. Um, there are there are good reasons for the way that the game played out last night, but I think just overall, when we walked into the locker room after that game, and you, when Anthony Edwards was coming off of the court just to head back there, he the relief sort of in their faces, and you could hear it in Ann's voice when he just said you know, God, it feels good to get a win. That's where this team was at. They were in absolute desperation mode. It was as dark as you could make it on Saturday against the Detroit Pistons. And that was some semblance of a rock bottom. And so for them to come out then on Monday night against Denver, maybe the best team in the West and just play really hard, share the ball, um, and be rewarded for those efforts. It was an incredibly important moment for the team because they were, and maybe they still are, but right now it, it's delayed a little bit. They were teetering on the brink of a real kind of crisis with the confidence of the team, with the frustrations that were going on. And so just to be able to play well, beat a really good team, have the crowd really behind them, which was really fun um, at Target Center last night. Um, it, it just, it's hard to understate or hard to overstate just how much they needed that one. This is the John Krasinski Show. We are live from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Thanks to our sponsors, TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, Head Flyer Brewing, Manscaped. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Best way to listen to this show or any show at talknorth.com. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Uh, thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. And I just, I'm very proud of myself today, John. I always said that the key to this team would be having Kyle Anderson play point guard. Yeah, right. I mean, who 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 didn't? I mean, and and here's and the and have Luca Garza guard Nikola Jokic. Yeah, like yeah, that. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I predict that. I predicted that like last <laughs> February or something. That we knew that obvious. was coming. Yes. Yeah, um, but it, it like Kyle Anderson has become so indispensable for this team, and we have talked a lot about. Carl Anthony Towns missing time. Even we've talked about Jordan McLaughlin missing time because he's the point guard, the other point guard on their team besides D'Angelo Russell. But we hadn't, we, we, we delved into a little bit, but we hadn't really explored 
the back issues for Kyle Anderson and really how debilitating that has been for this roster because Anderson is one of the few playmakers that they have, uh, one of the few really smart players uh, that they have, and a guy who just holds things together both offensively and defensively, and he did that beautifully against the Nuggets, and it was much needed. I mean, the way that he can calm a team down when things are not going well, when he can just run a set and get a good shot for himself or others, it's just invaluable for what this group is. I mean, when when things are going really poorly for the Timberwolves, um, what you see a lot of is isolation. You see a lot of contested jumpers. You see a lot of just forced play. And I think that, Kyle Anderson is able to get them out of those situations a little bit easier than some of the other guys who have the ball in their hands a lot. And he is an adult, he is a veteran, and he has played in big games and played for really, really good coaches and good systems. And so I do just think that his overall feel um, for that role of initiator, of lead playmaker is really, really important. I thought Anthony Edwards had really good stretches in that role against the Nuggets as well. Um, But you could definitely feel just a different kind of presence and calming with Kyle Anderson running the show when they needed it, and and it worked out well. I liked the signing when they signed him. I thought he would be a nice rotation player. I didn't know he was this good. Yeah, uh, it's a good point. I, I, I want. I'll be honest. I wondered too, Jim. In terms of, he has always been one of those players that I think that if you don't watch the team every night that he plays on and watch how he kind of integrates himself and and influences things, it is hard to see sort of his effect on a on a roster and on a team. And really, uh, with Memphis last season. There were times, even in the playoffs, where he didn't play much at all. And and so when the Wolves signed him, I liked it, but I didn't just, like, love it. I didn't think it was, you know, a, an amazing signing or anything like that. It's proved to be an incredible signing um, for what this team has needed. And I think that his ability to knock down three-pointers as well, which um, has never been a huge part of his game but is increasing this year, I think that is a is a really unexpected plus for the Timberwolves. He's been one of their most reliable three-point shooters, and he doesn't do it at volume, but when he gets the ball and he has an open shot and lets it go, you kind of think it's going in, whereas even Jalen Noel, um, other, other players just have not had that same sort of reliability. So it has been a really good fit um, of player and roster. And I think he's actually, he's having one of his best seasons just from a productivity standpoint, because this team does rely on him so much. And, uh, and, and I think that they need to find a way to keep him healthy going forward. And you hope that those back spasms don't keep reemerging and taking him out for games at a time, because he's been just really indispensable for them, especially when Carl Anthony Towns and Jer- and Jordan McLaughlin are out, they they desperately need 
Kyle Anderson there because it's not just offensively, Jim. I mean, he was he was also getting a lot of time on Nikola Jokic from a defensive standpoint. And Jokic had a really good game statistically, but we have seen Jokic just dominate opponents all season long. And he did not have that kind of a game against the Timberwolves. And a lot of that had to do with Kyle Anderson just mud wrestling him in the paint and and uh, kind of keeping him off of his spots. And then Rudy Gobert really kind of lurking and making it difficult on him. It was a great Gobert game, even though he did not have very much in the way of statistics as well. And the great thing about Kyle Anderson's three-point shot is it looks like a pump fake. It yes. looks like he's not absolutely not going to actually release the ball. And then five, six, seven, eight seconds <laughs> later, he actually does release the ball. He releases the ball, and and you know I think that one thing that the NBA is trying to get its arms around is that the games have gotten longer and longer with the timeouts, with just all sorts of different stoppages, with free throws, with with things of that nature. If you can have Kyle Anderson take ten or eleven shots, it takes about a minute for him to get get each shot off. That keeps the clock running a little bit. It's a lot. The, the the pace of the game, even though he plays slow, goes quicker because it just it, it takes so long for him to do anything and and we keep moving right along. It's it's beautiful. You know, we have Cheryl Reeve on this network. We're very lucky to have one of the world's great coaches. And one of the things that's always struck me about talk just talking pure basketball with Cheryl is, you know, she's had some point guards since Whalen retired who were really fast or really quick. And she doesn't like it. She doesn't think speed is an asset unless you're just out in the open court and trying to beat everybody down court. She doesn't think speed's an asset. She thinks that speed can actually be a detriment. It, it, she she likes players who kind of like Kyle Anderson, you know, like Whalen. Whalen wasn't particularly fast as a pro. She likes players who who play physically, uh, who position themselves, who use leverage, who who are quick in small spaces, but she, you know, and she, she would, I think she would, I'm going to have to ask her about it. I think she'd love Kyle Anderson. I would imagine she would because I mean, Reeve and most head coaches, let's be honest, love a player, a smart player who knows how to dictate the tempo of a game. And that's what Kyle Anderson can do. And I do think that you do see some players and, and even Anthony Edwards was in this, spot uh, against Denver for some stretches where his play was frantic. Um, He was almost playing too fast and rushing things. And I think it got him in trouble. Now he settled himself down and really delivered in, in the third quarter and into the fourth. But there were, there were stretches of that game where he just was, he couldn't slow himself down and couldn't gather himself. And that's what Kyle Anderson does so well is he does not let the opponent he does not let the game kind of speed him up to a point where he's out of control he always feels like he is in control there were a couple of drives last night that he had that were a little bit wild but that's going to happen in a game but in general he he dictates the pace to a point where it's on his terms and i mean we can go down the list Chris Paul does it. Luka Doncic does it. James Harden has done it. And like, obviously Anderson isn't on those level of player, but some of the very, very best 
lead ball handlers in this league are not Allen Iverson exploding to the rim, um, you know, getting out in transition and doing it that way. They are methodical and um, and and they make a defense play a possession for all 24 seconds. And the longer that you can get a team to have to play defense, the better it usually is for the offense because someone breaks down somewhere. And that's what Kyle Anderson does with his pace. And, and so it's a, it's a real weapon for the Timberwolves and, and, and for any team that employs them. And it's so unique to watch unfold. And you think, God, why can't the defense get in front of him and, and, and know where he's going and, and, and really neutralize it? Well, they can't because he knows where his spot is and he knows that he doesn't rush himself to get there. So he's always in control while he's doing it. No doubt about it. I think we need to talk about D'Angelo Russell next. I do want to thank TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. If you're injured, you're going to need good help, ethical help. Uh, And the great thing about TSR Injury Law, they will not charge you unless they win your case. They win lots of cases. They are now in beautiful new offices in South Bloomington because of it. That's why they can afford all the advertising uh, because (laughs) that you see everywhere because they are such a success story. Great Minnesota company, great Minnesota success story. 612-TSR-TIMES, all you need to remember, 612-TSR-TIME. Tell us about Headflyer, John. Headflyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis. My wife and I have been going there for years, and we've kind of joked a little bit on this show about, hey, maybe you need to go to Headflyer and drown your sorrows as a Timberwolves fan because, uh, let's face it, it's been a rough go of it these first 37, 38 games. But, hey, maybe you go to Headflyer, sit in their wonderful um, uh, tap room, open, airy, lots of great TVs. Maybe you're sitting there with some friends and having some beers and watching the Timberwolves surprisingly go out and beat the Nuggets and play really hard and be really entertaining. And you have some fun while you're you're having a couple of beers. You want to celebrate a little bit because you're finally getting a good performance from the team that you care so much about. They have uh, a couple of new beers at Head Flyer to help you do that. And one is a Kingfield Coffee Porter, a collaboration with their friends at Five Watt, which is right next door, to add a unique twist to a classic porter by blending cold-pressed coffee, milk sugar, sea salt, and vanilla beans. They also have Mint Chocolate Factory. Step into the Mint Chocolate Factory and be greeted with a smooth pastry stout brewed with decadent mint chocolates, rich, dark, and creamy. This beer is sure to be an indulgent treat. Stop by the tap room. You can also find them in 16-ounce cans at your local liquor stores in the metro area. Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis. Don't miss it. The Inflation Reduction Act has raised the federal solar investment tax credit from 26 to 30 percent. That is a positive development and an unexpected development. It's a fantastic opportunity for residents and businesses to invest in solar. The rebate includes solar power with battery backup. There may be additional solar incentives depending on the location. Solar power with battery backup can keep your lights on and heat running when a summer or winter storm hits. Solar and EVs are the perfect pair. Kick fossil fuels to the curb at home and on the road by using solar to power your EV at home or provide it as a service to your business employees and customers. Now is a great time to secure your spot for next year's installation. You might want to act soon. According to some studies, one in four homeowners want to invest in solar within the next five years, but the grid has limited capacity. So grab your opportunity while you can before someone else does. Check out All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. And now for John's famous Manscaped commercial. 
Happy New Year from our friends over at Manscaped. The ball has officially dropped, but that doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on your balls in 2023. Whether you had a New Year's kiss or not, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming have you covered for your much-needed resolution of bringing sexy back. Join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC for 20% off and free shipping. Let's have a toast for a new year, new you, and a new you with new no pubes. It's a new year, new balls, and with the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, this year take your package to the next level with their performance package 4.0 and other premium wet goods. Inside the performance package 4.0, you'll find the signature lawnmower 4.0 with the advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight that will shine a light to promise to to the promised land in 2023 and you cannot have a grooming routine if w- without applying the crop preserver and crop reviver before showing off your 2023 self. These unique formulations take care of the smelliest parts of your body and are a big boost to your confidence in the new year. To complete the set Manscaped threw in their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. So when Carl Anthony Towns went out, they played a, a couple of pretty good games without him. And in part, it seemed to be because the offense was just simpler without him. And I think you and I both said, okay, that's nice. It's nice they play, played without, without him. That doesn't mean that they're a better team without him. Now they play against the Nuggets, again, maybe the best team in the West, uh, and without D'Angelo Russell, who's out ill. And Ant and Anderson end up handling the ball most of the time. They had great contributions off the bench. They play a rousing game. They win. They win going away. Is there anything to be read into this situation? Um, you know, it, it, I don't. It's a little interesting, Jim, because um, the Wolves this season are now seven and ten without Carl Anthony Towns. They were ten and eleven with him, uh, so they were better with Cat versus without. Um, over the history of the of the Carl Anthony Towns time in Minnesota, they have a forty five percent winning percentage with. Towns on the floor, uh, which is not great, but it's 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 uh, it is what it is. With him off the floor, it's a twenty eight percent winning percentage, and so you know there is this very vocal contingent of NBA fans, maybe even a lot of Timberwolves fans, who believe that when Carl Anthony Towns went out, they believe that was a good thing. Like, oh, we don't need Cat. Uh, that's that's just going to be the way that is. But the numbers show that. No, absolutely. You really need Carl Anthony Towns. He's really important. He he helps improve the team, even if he doesn't get them to championship level. They're a much better team with him on the floor versus without. With D'Angelo Russell now, um, in the last nine games that he has missed, the Wolves are seven and two, um, and so there is a little bit of a growing sample size of success without D'Angelo Russell that is not there without Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I have to look a little bit more into their opponents and to some of those things but to, to get all the context behind it. But they are they are winning games without D'Angelo Russell. Um, I don't think that D'Lo is the problem 
um, with with what this team is doing uh, because a lot of his on-off splits and a lot of his plus-minus nights are, are, are situations where the team plays better when he's on the floor. But what we saw against Denver uh, on Monday night was a team that really did share the ball aggressively and moved it quickly and generally I mean Edwards had moments where he was ISO heavy and where he kind of took the hero ball shots but um but that's going to happen with the game but largely the offense really did move a little bit better with Edwards and Kyle Anderson running the show versus when D'Angelo Russell has been running the show I think the other thing that was apparent is that the transition defense and the defense in general was better with D'Angelo Russell not there. Um, Detroit, I thought, was a particularly glaring, poor D'Angelo Russell defensive game. Um, especially in transition, there were times where he either was not getting back or if he did get back, he didn't provide any resistance at all going to the rim for guards, and um, and it was kind of ugly. And so... Um, we it, it, so I'm still wrapping my mind around what exactly is missing when um, when D'Angelo Russell isn't there. But that team last night, and maybe it was just the pure desperation of the moment. That team played really hard on both ends uh, against Denver and uh, against Detroit. Had played one of their most lethargic, lackluster games of all time. And, and so I don't want to just pin it right on D'Angelo Russell because the other thing that I do absolutely want to point out is that Russell, from a shooting perspective, was remarkable in December. He was really, really good. And so I think going forward, what I'd like to see more of from the Timberwolves is Anthony Edwards on the ball, running the point, and D'Angelo Russell playing off the ball and and catching and shooting and doing things like that because he looked more comfortable that way. The offense seemed to move a little bit better that way. And I think that they just have to take more steps to empower Edwards and and put Russell into a different kind of a role that maybe he's a little bit more well-suited for. And you're providing rational thought and <laughs> research on Russell. And I tend to go to my gut with Russell, which is I just don't trust him. Uh, you know, it's it, listen. He he did have a really good month in December. He has had really good stretches statistically uh, for this team, and it's hard to replace a, a a a point guard with size who can shoot and pass. He has skills. I just it's like, but I just he's to me he's, he almost should play for the Vikings. I just expect him to lose a playoff game for. Him. <laughs> I expect him to, to. I expect him to to not be there when you need a defensive stop or when you need somebody to not make a careless turnover, I just don't trust him. Even, even when he's playing well, I don't trust him. And that's that's my irrational view of D'Angelo Russell. He certainly will have every opportunity to prove me wrong in that regard. Let's switch to the bench here. Uh, their bench last night was Matt Ryan, Nate Knight, uh, Luca, Luke Garza, and Austin Rivers, and they played really well. Uh, they did. What, what of the, so of those four, uh, who just had a nice night in a limited role and who who might be able to offer a little more going forward? Yeah, I, I think that um, Luca Garza, I think he had eight points and eight rebounds. Yep. Um, but 
so it wasn't like a, a, a stat line that just leaped off the page at you. It wasn't a Nas Reed like stat line. I mean, Nas was out with back spasms and Nas has played ter- terrific um, for for a while now. Uh, but and, and put up some really impressive numbers. And that wasn't what Luca did. But Luca just was his presence was felt on the floor. Um, both defensively where he is not a defensive player at all. He's not very good that way, but he just played so dang hard on the defensive end, um, against Jokic, against anybody just trying to move his feet, be in the right spot and, um, and, and, and do just enough to get in the way essentially. And then he, you know, he made a couple of shots, uh, on on the offensive end as well. But I think like just from a from an optics standpoint, Jim, he is a guy that when you when you watch him play, there are certain players that are just effortless. You you, you don't even know that they're expending energy out there and, and they just do what they do. Luca is the opposite of that. He looks like he is working incredibly hard and he is. But I think like that kind of translates to the rest of the team in terms of this is a group that especially against Detroit, but in several other occasions this season has looked like they haven't been working very hard, that they don't really want it. And, and so to have a guy like Garza out there running all around, sweating up a storm, um, you know, uh, taking uh, physical abuse, like all of that stuff, like it just kind of shows fans like, hey, this is a guy who really cares, who's going out there and busting his ass and and doing what he can. And Nate Knight is a similar player that way. Uh, he has had a hard time getting on the floor with all of the bigs that they have. But this is uh, a guy who will get out there and just break stuff. And he will grab a bunch of rebounds. He'll throw down some big dunks. He's an energy player for a team that needs energy. And so, um, you know, I, I think like having those guys play against a team that was probably a little heavy legged coming off of the game they played the night before. And they just went out and outworked the nuggets. And that is not something that we've been able to say very often about the Timberwolves this season is that they just outworked a team. And so Chris Finch said afterwards, we asked him, well, Hey, look, when you see guys deliver like they did, um, do, do you have to really rethink your rotations and who is playing and who is not? Because, None of those, none of the guys that were playing on Saturday night against Detroit did the same things. And Finch said, absolutely. Uh, he's, I got to play the guys who want to play and who want to get after it. And, and so now it's a bit on Finch to follow up those words with actions. Like you have to reward some of these guys for just getting out there and working really hard and, and, and fighting on the glass and doing the things that, this team was not doing before. So we will see how it translates Wednesday and Friday. But I do think that they have now challenged Chris Finch to not play them essentially. And, um, and Finch, I think would benefit from playing the guys who are going to get out there and just get after it and sit in the guys who aren't. And there there's gotta be some messages sent right now in that regard to refocus a team and uh, that, that just w- could not 
finish the job in some of these cases against teams during that six game winning streak. And then, and in, in, in others just didn't compete. And so they have to increase their compete level. And it's with guys like Knight, with guys like Garza rivers is a hard playing guy. Um, that's what you need. And, um, and that's what he got against the nuggets. We are recording at the Aquarius home services studio reminder. Talk North offers Cheryl Reeve, uh, Lavelle, Neal, Roy Smalley, John Krasinski, John Millay, Jeff Diamond, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. Uh, so many people I can't ever remember everybody on the list. We have uh, Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast coming up, and uh, he's doing basketball, football, all sports, really. We have Dave Lee. We have outdoor content, variety content. Check out talknorth.com for our, all of our shows and the archives of the shows. If you like a show, you might go back and find some great storytelling in previous editions. Looking And to be clear, Nate Knight was the one who had eight points, eight rebounds in 22 minutes, plus 12. Luca Garza was nine points, six rebounds. There we go. Uh, plus 11 in 14 minutes. That's nine points, six rebounds, two assists. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nine points, six rebounds in and one block. In 14 minutes, Nate Knight also had two assists, uh, active live wire players. And that's the thing. I don't know what if they're, you know, if they're future NBA starters or future NBA rotation guys, but man, they do bring it when they come in. They bring it. Absolutely. And I, I do think that I'm, I'm telling you, Jim, I was so surprised, frankly, at the way that the crowd was into it Yeah, in, in the game, because it was a lighter crowd. I think there was people worried about the weather, but clearly there there was a, was a, a referendum in some ways on what they saw on Saturday night and what they have seen really for, from this team all year, that it's not a team that is connected with the fan base yet, rightfully so. They have not played an, a, an aesthetically pleasing style of basketball. They have not played a connected style at all. And we saw that against Denver and they were rewarded by the crowd. There was no booing. There was no angst in the crowd. It was a lot of let's go wolves chants. It was, it was really loud and into it when Edwards got moving and going. Um, when, when, when Garza, um, was kind of walled up Jokic, there was a huge ovation. And that is the kind of, you know, blue collar work ethic mentality that this team had last season that we have not seen this year and that really bonded the group with the fan base. And, and so the players had to feel that energy. And I think they fed off of it because they gave the fans something to cheer about. The fans did cheer and that spurred them on to do more of those, you know, hustle, hard work kind of uh kind of efforts and the thing that really jumped out to me jim was at the end of the game toward the end of the game uh jokic goes up for a shot rudy comes from uh sort of out of the picture and just swats the thing emphatically into the second row and um, it was called a goaltend. I don't think it was a goaltend, but it was called a goaltend. But regardless, Jim, like you could see that Rudy was feeding off of that energy from, from the, from the, the bench and the way and how hard they were playing. And he, and that was one of the most emphatic plays for him defensively of his entire season. 
And that's kind of the thing that I said last week on the pod was that Rudy has to start playing louder. Like he does all these little things and these subtle things to help you win games, but to really convince his teammates and this fan base that is skeptical of him that, um, that he can be a force. Sometimes you just got to do the wild thing and, and just like, just swat the thing into, into the stands instead of like tapping it to a teammate. Um, and, and, and so for him to do that in that moment tells me that he was feeling the vibes of it. And I, I do think that there was some tone setting involved from Edwards constantly attacking and from like the, the Knights, the Garzas, the Riverses of the world um, who just were relentless out there and, and, and everyone fed off of that. That was really important. You know, it reminded me of too, uh, both what you talked about and then that one go bear play. It reminded me, and this is, I'm old. So this is an old school reference. Uh, Patrick Ewing, against the great North Carolina team in the championship mm. game way back when. And John Thompson told Ewing, uh, first five shots or so, I don't just get goaltends. I don't care. Just smack the ball into the stands on every one of them. Just let them know you're going to be there. And he did. It's like the first yeah. five North Carolina shots. This is Worthy, Perkins, Jordan, maybe Kenny Smith. I can't remember who the point guard was. And the first handful of shots North Carolina took, Ewing just smacked it like he was a volleyball player. And – you know, so he gave North Carolina a lead, but and I don't know if that's the right strategy or not. I don't know, and it, and obviously it, you know, I mean, North Carolina still won the game in a very close game, but but it is there is a psychological element to worrying about whether your shot's going to get knocked into the tenth row, and I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, there has yes, I think for a player who is as smart as Rudy is, who has as many physical tools as Rudy does. Um, one thing that he can do more of is just make his presence felt in a real um, forceful, demonstrative way. Um, I, I think that a lot of players around the league aren't really scared of Rudy Gobert, um, and we can get into if that's you know even fair to say or whatever, but that's the case. And I do think that he needs to instill a little more fear in opponents for coming into the paint for getting around him and, and like understanding that there are going to be times where if I go into the lane and I put up a shot that isn't, um, isn't the strongest of shots, I'm going to get embarrassed and it's going to be on sports center. Um, and I think that even more importantly, his teammates need to see him do that. Uh, and, you know, Jaden McDaniel said after the game, like he really he smiled and he's like, I, I like that block right there. And they get the teammates get a charge out of that. And it is now no secret that some of these teammates have been waiting to see what all the fuss is about with Rudy Gobert and why, you know, why did they pay this price? Why is he making all of this money, all of that stuff? And they're just learning who he is as a player. And so to have, moments like that uh i i think opens their eyes a little bit more and and there is an appreciation for the small things that he does and the and and the little effects that he has on a game but there's no substitute for just like the kind of play that makes a player open his eyes and say holy shit. like like that's that's what needs to happen a little bit more 
just to kind of get everyone on the same page that, hey, this is a three-time defensive player of the year. This is a guy who's made the last three all-star games. And this is a guy that we can count on and that we want to go into the battle with. And um, and that was what we saw in that moment and and what they need to see more of going forward. Good stuff from John. Hopefully this will be the start of something very interesting going forward here. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Thanks to all of our sponsors. We do appreciate it. We'll be back next week on the John Krasinski Show.